Welcome back in. It is Main Street Sports Today, presented by Mid-Tennessee Bone & Joint. Chris Yao alongside Mo Patton and J.P. Plant on the controls. Thank you guys for hanging out with us here. Make sure to follow us at MS underscore sports today on Twitter. Show is archived. Podcasts wherever you get your podcasts, your distribution platform of choice. By searching Main Street Sports today, you can find the first half, the second half, and each special guest cut out just for you. Including this one. Special guests such as... The one we currently have on the line, he is a senior writer for ESPN.com. And did you know he penned the uh, script for the documentary film, Dale? thought that was pretty cool. Multi-talented. Yeah, uh, apparently has five sports Emmys. That's not bad for the other guy in Wham. (laughs) Ryan (laughs) McGee. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, I think I've, I think I've told you guys before. When people say that to me with Marty and McGee, they're like, "You're the other guy, Wham." I'm like, the "Other guy, Wham." Married the best looking girl, Bananarama, and lived in a castle. So, other guy, Wham, had pretty good life. Hey. So it's uh, that's not a bad gig. I'll take it. And and here's the best part is you don't have to deal with people recognizing you everywhere you go. <laughs> you can actually still go to the 100%. grocery store. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, you know. When you when you don't when I when you don't have that haircut that Marty has, right? it's a lot easier to just uh, yeah run over to the to the Bucky's and, and not get recognized. But if you <laughs> if you walk in looking like Jimmy Neutron, everybody realizes it's just Marty. You know, Ryan, you you bring up Bucky's, man, and I was, I was Ryan's com- hair as big as Bucky's. Yeah, I was coming back from Atlanta um, first weekend in October, and there's a new Bucky's in Leeds. No, it's oh. it's in Adairsville or something oh, that's like right. that. Yeah, on seventy five, and I think you the first time you go to Bucky's, I think you almost have to go with someone who's been before because man, I was overwhelmed. I, yeah, no, I couldn't handle it. In fact, it's funny. I, I joke, but I, I literally I just drove past the Bucky's that is a brand new one near Daytona, and I, my family and I went to Disney last summer right before football started. And they're like, hey, we need to go to Bucky's. And so we went, and I remember my daughter looked at me, and she goes, I can't handle this. We have to leave. No. I'm, like, I'm with you. I'm like, find me a quick trip. I, I can't I can't handle it. But, uh, but, I, but yes, I'm with you. But now that, I, now that I've been, I feel like I could handle it, but I was not equipped last August. Man, I needed a tour guide. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, oh, yeah. It, they're selling furniture. I'm like, I'm like, where do I get like a soda? Yeah. But, it, it, but you know, I, don't, I don't need a smoker today. I need, I need some cookies. Yeah, uh, that's that's what happened to us. We were we were going to the Winter Classic in Dallas, and we we stopped on the way there. And and my wife is the snacker of all snackers, but she couldn't find snacks, so she found no, no. all the snacks. no no. She found all the snacks. She found she, every snack, and yeah. that was the problem. We spent yeah. like sixty bucks on <laughs> snacks, and I'm yeah. like, and we didn't even buy a t-shirt and some home decor. So. <laughs> <laughs> and underwear. They got underwear. They got I went to I remember Some we, DVDs. Went, we went to the we, yeah, we went to the swimming pool at Disney at our hotel and here came this woman with the Bucky's bikini on. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I mean maybe that maybe that's that her husband's thing, but it was not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so they got a dressing room on top of everything else then, huh? Oh good lord. Yeah, it was I was like, all right, but yeah, but anyhow, point is I am. I am in Florida. I'm in, in Daytona, and I've all no. Do, all due respect to the Bucky's 
caught, I drove right past it because I can't, I, I can't process it. <laughs> well, I feel better. Yeah. That, that, that makes me yeah. feel better to know that Ryan McGee was overwhelmed by Bucky's as well. I thought yeah. it was just me. Yeah. Um, yeah. As you mentioned, Ryan, you are in Daytona. Um, we had the Super Bowl this past weekend. Now we have the Super Bowl of racing coming up this weekend. Um, Different from the Iron Bowl of racing. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um, <laughs> what What are your immediate thoughts about this one? Well, it's just it's um it's going to be different. And and I I, I got a column. I mean, shameless plug. I got a column on ESPN.com today. You know, th- th- we we're finally rolling out the next gen car. They call it Generation Seven. And and this car is neat. This car has been needed for a long time. The, the the car they just they just put on mothballs is basically the, the technology in it was I mean literally based on 1967. I mean it was just, and and that's cool to a point. But you know if you're going to be relevant, you got to have a relevant car. And so this is a brand new car. The problem is is that this pandemic supply chain that you know is causing your cup of coffee to be more expensive. And it's causing your furniture order to come in six months later than it's supposed to. That's wreaking havoc on these teams because the new model is they don't really fabricate the parts in the shop like they have in years past. Now, NASCAR has said, these are your part suppliers. And this is a, it's a kit car. This is how you put your race car together. And all that's great. And it's going to save the teams a lot of money. But the problem is, there ain't any cars. And so you guys know, particularly the last 10 years, they will wreck some race cars at Daytona 500. And so there's a lot of concern about um, not what happens here in Daytona, but what happens when they go to California and Phoenix and, and Vegas and all that over the next month. And, and so it's, it's a supply. They, they all agree that it's going to get better, and by the time they get the spring, it'll be better. But there's a lot of puckered up people right now because they're worried about not having enough cars uh, to get you know into the spring. Heck, two weeks ago. We now, I mean, obviously they weren't yeah. high speed crashes, but there were some folks that ended up in the wall, and <laughs> some of yeah. these teams only and, have and, one and car. What, yeah, and what and what you saw was was that teams that fell out of contention in that the Bush Clash out in L.A., which was awesome by the way, in the Coliseum, but but the teams that fell out of contention, they got out of the way. I mean, they, they, they didn't park it, but they, they got way out of the way. And, and you're going to see that tonight, you know, the dual 150s, the qualifying racer tonight. And I don't think you're going to see a lot of craziness tonight. I think guys are going to be smart. There's only a couple of guys that can race their way in, and they might benefit from the fact that all the other teams that are already, you know, locked in are going to get out of the way. But Sunday's going to be nuts. I mean, it just is. I mean, it's a Daytona 500. That's just how it's going to go. And I think everybody is like, all right, if we're going to wreck one, Let's wreck it on Sunday in the race. Let's not wreck one in practice or in the dual race. It's interesting because you're right. Typically, these these duels races get can get crazy uh, because there's typically yeah. a pretty big payday involved. But this time around, maybe less so because again. Nobody has those one or two backup cars that they used to have just on standby. So it's certainly interesting how that's going to play into tonight, but also into Sunday. Because, like you said, if we're gonna if we're gonna wreck a car, we're gonna do it in the Daytona 500. Because it doesn't matter what we do at Michigan or at California or whatever, as far as you know the 
the viewership or the fan fanship. I mean, we're, we're making fans this Sunday and that's what a lot of teams are doing. Um, this weekend, especially, you know, the newer, newer teams and, and the rookie drivers, what, uh, what is your outlook right now for some of these new guys? I mean, it certainly looked like some of the old heads like Denny Hamlin weren't necessarily, uh, on top of their game two weeks ago. Yeah. And, and I think that, and this is uh, and again, shameless plug time. This is the column I'm going to write for tomorrow for ESPN.com, which is, you know, we've talked about the next-gen cars, but the reality is, you know, there's a next-gen group of drivers right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the last two champions are Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson, and Kyle Larson's 29. And Chase Elliott was the youngest champion in, you know, 60 years. And all four Hendrick drivers are in their 20s. And, you know, on, on Sunday, over half the field will be drivers in their 20s. And this will be the fourth year in a row that's been the case. And you guys know... You know, when I first started coming down here 27 years ago, watching Sterling Marlin win the Daytona 500, you know, nice everybody in the plug. field was in their 40s. There you go. Columbia all the way. Nice but, spring hill but the, That's uh, right. But, that's right. But, but those guys, you know, the field back then, it was a huge deal that Jeff Gordon was in the race because he was in his 20s. And now, you're talking about 40 guys in the race on Sunday, and over half of them are in their 20s, and it's been this way for almost half a decade. So, yeah, you're right. And, you know, Denny Hamlin is getting in the team ownership. And Brad Keselowski is getting in the team ownership. And, and Kevin Harvick didn't win a race last year. And there's definitely a shift that's happening right now. And the old guys don't want to hear it. But, I mean, you guys know uh, Father Time is undefeated. <laughs> and, uh, and and he's he's starting to creep his way back into the garage, as happens, uh, when, you know, about every 10 years when, when the guys cycle through. When, when Harvick and Keselowski and and all these guys, you know, Denny Hamlin, these guys kind of took over the sport. You know, they had to wait for Mark Martin and Rusty Wallace and, and you know, uh, Jeff Gordon and these guys to get out of the way. So we're just kind of, we're kind of at the top of one of those cycles right now. ESPN's Ryan McGee with us here on Main Street Sports today, talking a little NASCAR, a little Daytona 500 coming up this weekend. Ryan, you mentioned the, the influx of young drivers and typically – you don't see those guys get in at such a young age just because it's so hard to get rides. How has it been that that you've had this number of young drivers be able to get rides at the top level of stock car racing competition at such an early age? Well, number one, they're really good. And, and the system is a much more, I mean, we talk about Sterling Marlin. When Sterling came along, you know, you had to drive around and dunk for 10 years and prove that, okay, now you, you deserve to drive for Roush. You deserve to drive, deserve, you know, deserve to drive for Rick Childers or Rick Hendricks or whoever. Now, um, and it, it's kind of the Jeff Gordon effect, which is, you know, teams are willing to take chances on younger guys, but they're also cheaper. And, you know, the, the salary-wise, uh, what those young guys are, are, are asking for is not a lot. And it's part of the reason why we've seen the Casey Canes of the world kind of move on. You know, even when they absolutely, Casey Kane could have found other cup rides, but the money wasn't there. I think it's part of the reason that Jimmy Johnson retired when he did. I think it's part of the reason that we're not going to see guys hang around into their 50s anymore because, number one, you can't make as much money as you used to. And number two, 
you're going in asking for a 2010 contract and these young guys are asking for a 2022 contract and it's a lot cheaper. It's it's a, you know, it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, not tens of millions of dollars. And so listen, they're good. There's no question about it. And, and I look at the, you know, Rick Hendrick has told me, so I'm going to keep these four guys as long as they'll stay here. I want them to retire here and they're all in their twenties. And, uh, and, and part of the reason is obviously they're really good. Uh, but a part of the reason too is, is, um, you know, we're all replaceable when the young guy will take less money. No question. <laughs> you know, it's, it's interesting, that, interesting that you mentioned 50 year olds in the race, because there is a 50-year-old qualified for his first Daytona 500, and that is Jacques Villanueva, a Formula One yeah. champion, has qualified for the Daytona 500. How how much of an impact is he going to have? Well, he, he, I don't think he's going to win a race, um, but he the fact that he's in the field – is just cool. And, and what's fun is watching him get so excited. He, he tried this before, you know, he tried to go stock car racing before, after he was done with cart with formula one, you know, all of that. And I told Jock last night, I said, man, it's good to see you. I said, as long as you're out here racing, then I still feel young. You know, I begged <laughs> Jeff Gordon not to retire. Right. Jeff and I came in at the same time. I started at ESPN the week he won the inaugural Brickyard 400. And the night he retired, I pleaded with him, dude, you can't retire. Cause it's, I said, as soon as you retire, I become like old dude in the press box. <laughs> and so whenever Jacques Villeneuve and these guys, uh, stage these comebacks, I'm all for it because, uh, you know, I can tell stories about them. These young writers can't talk about them. Man, Daytona 500 is going to be a lot of fun on Sunday. Defending champion, Michael McDowell, um, He's not going away easy, man. 192.736 miles per hour with a top uh, practice session speed. He he's he's a name you got to listen for on Sunday. I mean, clearly he's the defending champion, right? Yeah, and he he's good at these tracks. I mean, I mean, even you know, I remember last year. Last year was the weirdest victory lane ever because I was I was I was in town for Sports Center. I was sitting in victory lane, and and you know, Michael McDowell came in and and. It's kind of like that scene in Cars where, where the bad guy wins, which Michael McDowell's not a bad guy at all. He's the greatest guy ever. But he's the only one in Virtual Lane. He's like, why is the only one cheering? It's me. And, and last year in Virtual Lane, Nobody it was knows me and who Michael you McDowell. Are. Yeah, me and Michael McDowell, no one else. It's because of COVID, <laughs> they went only by in Virtual Lane. And, and in that, if the NASCAR movie, honestly, they were a little bummed that Michael won it instead of some of the superstars. <laughs> but it was one of the, my all-time favorite Virtual Lanes because he's such a good guy. All he's done is grind his whole career, but he's always been good at these racetracks. You go back and look at his numbers at Talladega and Daytona, all these years with front row motorsports and with second tier teams, he's got a ton of top 10, way more what we still call restricted plate tracks, even though there's no more restricted plates, but there's still more super speedway top 10 than a lot of Hall of Famers because he's just good at these places. He's got a sixth sense for it. So yeah, to, to, to rule him out, a lot of people are like, oh, one and done and fluke and all that stuff. I'm telling you right now, um, he will he will make his presence known with authority at some point on Sunday. Who's the guy we don't know about that we need to be watching out for? Well, you know, if you if you're watching qualifying last night and you know, not a lot of people talk about Alex Bowman, 
mm-hmm. or talk about William Byron. Those are those other two guys at Hendricks. You know, Chase Elliott and Kyle Larson won the last two championships. But, you know, Bowman last night, was this, what, fourth or fifth straight year on the front row for the 500? And so those guys are good. And so, yeah, I keep waiting on them, and they're getting better. If you're really watching, they're getting better. And and I think that um, it would behoove you uh, to keep an eye on William Byron and, and, uh, and Alex Bowman both on Sunday. You got it. It is – the Daytona 500, the Super Bowl of NASCAR, of all stock car racing. Cannot wait for it, man. We have Ryan McGee of ESPN with us, and thanks so much for taking some time, man. We really appreciate it. Looking forward to, to uh, reading tomorrow's column and your coverage uh, throughout the weekend. I appreciate it, boys. Have a great weekend. Yes, Thank sir. you. You do the same. All right. So, Eagleville resident Trace Adkins will sing the national anthem, and I'm about to get – I may get cut off when I say who the Grand Marshal is. Because his name is Mud here in the state of Tennessee. Hall of Fame cornerback, Thorpe Award winner, controversial <laughs> Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner, Charles Woodson. Oh, goodness. Wow. Will be the Grand Marshal. Wow. So, that's, that's interesting. That's right. So, anyway, Daytona 500. Can't believe it's here already. That's when you know it's February. When we come back, let's talk some college football because um, there's some questions out there about tampering in the in the, in the portal. Surprise, surprise! So stick around. Main Street Sports Day returns after this. <laughs> <laughs> 